everybody. Welcome to the Brain Trust Podcast. My name is Adam Vass, and I'm a tabletop game designer in Southern California. My name's Lips. I'm a tabletop game designer in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Adam, you just caught me name-searching my Kickstarter online. Yeah, this is um, absolutely unacceptable, pure blood-drinking like maniac behavior really really bad behavior poor behavior shouldn't be doing it um do you feel shameful yeah <laughs> i feel embarrassed <laughs> uh yeah i didn't have to tell you i knew it was sinful as a as a catholic i'm i know exactly what i'm doing is wrong but i'm still gonna do it you still make the choice i mean i think that's what um that's the whole point of god giving you people free will is like you choose to be bad <laughs> what's the difference between refreshing a kickstarter page 80 times throughout the day and name searching once um just the, the number of times really there <laughs> should be name searching more they're both they're both uh inexcusable uh I, i'm running a, i would need word hippo open in a tab of just like <laughs> What's another word for psycho? Desecrate. Defiler. Um, Yeah, I would say... Degenerate behavior. Yeah, I'm a degen. I would say that I can run a technically great Kickstarter, and I have all the skills for, like, you know, making the goals and the page and scoping a project and the product and making a budget and emotionally i am a worm i eat dirt and it is just quite tough it's Um, funny too and i do this so this is not me negging you but everyone talks huge game (laughs) i hey look you got a kickstarter coming up i'm gonna give you advice let me help you out look it's it's a marathon not a sprint all these like idioms and and nuggets of wisdom from people who have gone in the green trenches and come out uh scathed scathed but fully scathed but they don't want you to be scathed so they impart this wisdom and then the second they launch a kickstarter they fall for all their own bullshit all over again it's not my fault it's kickstarter's fault yeah and um yeah, I was in a in a rough position today. I like to take the day off. I've done that in the past when a Kickstarter launches, so I can fully like get away. I can really get as far away as possible. But I had like a really terrible work deadline and very boring work, so it's just like every two minutes I would be opening my phone. I have this new feature of because I'm on West Coast and I'm on Pacific time but I still want to launch at 10 a.m. Eastern time that I have to set an alarm for like six to on launch day. Um, and then come like 10 or 11, I'm tired. I'm taking a nap and mm-hmm. then it can't refresh while you're asleep. You know, that's what they say. Um, th- this m- reminds me, thank you everyone that backed torque. It funded in 15 minutes gone in 900 seconds. Uh, thank you everybody. The response has been spectacular and great. Kickstarter just is a particular type of uh, brain parasite that is so bad for you. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to um, really lose get my ego completely melted down into LCL fluid uh, in 20 days. It'll be great. And you haven't done one in a while. Was Guide the last one? Guide was the last one, and that wasn't so much a Kickstarter as opposed to a NASA experiment for human beings being near a black hole event horizon. Yeah, I was going to say it's when you, when they would put someone on a table and like pull the chains in different directions. Um, <laughs> so it's really slow, but there's there's ten, it's taut the whole time. Yeah, you can never truly relax into the medieval torture instrument that was. I just can't the... find my sweet spot, my comfortable <laughs> sweet spot on this table. Ooh, if I could just get a little bit. Anyway, um, Zine Quest is happening. It's happening all the time. It's huge. It's the f- We're recording this on the first day, um, and you're hearing this on the second or third day, depending kind of on my deal tomorrow. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are you doing? You're... You've got a project waiting in the wings. Um, it's a secret, but here I am spoiling I, it. I like. Th- 
I mean, it's a secret for two reasons. One, I don't have a preview page, and I feel like talking about stuff when you can't click on it uh, is a little bit for naught, especially when I'm doing a Kickstarter already. So promoting something that's right now vaporware um, doesn't <laughs> doesn't benefit anybody. And then uh, the other reason is because I shared the logo in the Brain Trust Discord a week or two ago, and it is indecipherable. It is unreadable utterly illegible and um i've really enjoyed watching people try to figure it out on their own and so i know once i publicly <laughs> say what the game is uh that game will be over the meta game of trying to figure out what the name of this game is so i have a i'm preserving that yeah um because i was thinking about this because today in the discord lino uh tried to reverse engineer every single letter to try and figure out what it was and I know I know what the true word is, um, and it's not even close. It's like <laughs> it's it is just so far away. Um, you should uh, not ever say the name of it in the text of the Kickstarter oh and make the gosh. title like Adam Vass's Zine Quest game, and then whatever the subtitle is. I definitely like that. I did just spend all weekend making the video where i say the title over and over and say nothing else (laughs) well never mind but yeah just something that you can um i don't know really get get cryptic about it yeah well they laid a dollar short whatever (laughs) who gives a shit it's a cool ass project that i think will do well just on the fact that it is cool ass like it just looks like nothing you've seen and that's good enough for me for sure. Um, yeah, there's just tons of cool-ass projects. We're going to, next week, take a look at uh, just a bunch of zine quests we want to highlight um, as as more projects come out. Uh, and I just didn't have fucking time to look at them. So, you know what we should do? This is probably... we could have. This yeah, is which, a, let's do some pre-pro. <laughs> yeah. We'll do what, like, when we did uh, for the game design at Big Bad Con, and we just ask all the trustees and stuff, like, if you want just record yourself talking about your game for 30 seconds and send it and we'll just mash those together so we don't have to do it all. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, or each trustees, uh, game that they're most interested in and we can talk about if they have a game, we can like plug the game on the show. Yeah. I like that. And that takes a lot of the onus off of us to do research. <laughs> Love that. That's a win-win for us. Um, well, how have you been doing? Uh, otherwise good. I still am doing the classic game design thing of working on a new thing instead of finishing the thing that should be published. Yeah, I did that. I did that yesterday. Doing real bad business there. Um, I thought the other, uh, a couple weeks ago, I think I mentioned this on the show. I like sticky notes. I organize (laughs) a lot of my thoughts via sticky note all over my desk in the wall around my desk. And generally... This is how I've been outlining games text, too. So I'll be like, Babes in the Wood is an 8.5 by 11 piece of paper. And then I can build these like columns of sticky notes. And when I finish writing something, I can remove that note. So I can actually watch me like whittling down the amount of work that there is. And also I can compartmentalize the things into sections that help me think about them in a, in a better, in a more natural way for me. Um, so... Recently, I put up a new piece of paper host to the stickies that just said pies in the sky. And on this board, I would put every fleeting game idea that I had that I didn't want to forget, but I knew I couldn't work on right now. Yep. And that board is two inches away from the Babes in the Wood work board. (laughs) No. And and when I look at my wall, guess where my eye looks at? (laughs) You got to get that on the facing wall. The Babes paper, too, is like bright red. And the pies in the sky is just like a twenty five percent gray, and I was oh, like, "Oh, that won't be anything. It won't. It's not eye catching. It's not going to be distracting at all." Um, Unlikable. It's just nice and cool and refreshing every time you look at that space gray. I have written and completed two pies in the sky. <laughs> Days in the woods still has not finished its first draft. I absolutely know what you mean. I was trying to get torque work done the other day. 
and I am playing Star Wars Fallen Order, which is um, a video game. Uh, I don't really have much more to say about it yet. Um, I had a funny tweet about it where I said it was Star Wars ROTC, but that's whatever. Um, so I went to bed thinking about this idea for like a Hyperlight Drifter plus Star Wars game, a game that had Hyperlight Drifter vibes with Star Wars fidelity called Blightsaber. And I went to sleep thinking about it and I was like, I can't fucking work on this. Like I am booked through 2021 with projects. I know you are like, there's just not really the time. Yeah, it's silly. When I, I was like, if I wake up thinking about this, I will write it. And then I obviously woke up thinking about it because the brain's bad. And yeah, it's drafted. <laughs> I got a problem. <laughs> I got your problem. Um, your room is filled with sticky notes, just like an art installation from 2004. <laughs> yeah, it's art. All right. M3, come check out my setup. <laughs> M3, at M3, rate my setup. Is this like an acceptable use of your product? I mean, I, they are the co- company that is like the most corona profiting company, right? Because they print masks. I don't know their business model, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> anyway, what games have you written and completed while trying to work on babes? Um, the secret one. Mm. Uh, and I also finished this one. This is an interesting one because this has been like a, which one do I want to work on less competition (laughs) of, um, my game born of cold that I would intended to release in December through Patreon. Um, this initially was my frozen game, which then I started just referring to as the snow queen game. Mm -hmm. Um, because it is, it's a lot more based on the fairy tale, which is, uh, as all fairy tales, fucked up. Um, <laughs> versus Frozen, which is much more lighthearted. But I think the system exists in a way that you could easily play either, like to the whatever, how you ever rate your story. Um, but it's four player, asymmetrical, GMless game. And I was really caught up on the format too. So it's a, a greeting card with the core rules. And then each role has a postcard with their own rules. So you can oh, pass them cool. around. But it all fits in this nice like five by seven envelope. Um, that went to print this weekend finally, and it's funny because I had been working on that in like November, and I was like, no, I want to make Babes in the Wood now. <laughs> I don't want to make Born of Cold. <laughs> and then I Cosmic fast forward cycle. to now. To some extent, I was like, I need to release Born of Cold in the winter, <laughs> and I'm in California, so I don't remember, but I know. <laughs> Uh, winter is now, and it's not long for this world, I think. Um, the other problem is living in Michigan before I lived here, winter ends in June. So, right, yeah. I know between January and June is the real ending of winter, and I want to get that game out. So, I, I spent some time this weekend. That was, it did not belong on the pies in the sky board, but it was there, and now it has been removed. Um, I also did a reprint of Cobwebs, which was on the Pies in the Sky board. Um, Didn't require me to do any actual writing or design, Mm -hmm. just uh, logistical, put this back in print, figure out a way to get play mats more affordable at a lower quantity, and that's it. So this new print run is just the book and the play mat, because everyone has dice. All gamers have dice. Um. So yeah, I've just been chipping away at that. I also started working on the sort of Beast Wars post-humanity scratchers game. Oh, cool. Uh, what is this about? So this is funny, too, because this inspiration, like a lot of the time I'll be like, oh, I want to make a game based on this record or this movie. And I think that's a very common thing. Uh, there's a comics illustrator and writer uh, named Andrew McLean. He writes a really great series called Ted Lopper that I love. Um, but one time I bought a shirt from him that was a tiger wearing a beret and holding an Uzi. And then there's a bunch of ice cream cones around it. And um, that's, that's what inspired this game. I'm like, yeah, it's like, it's kind of got like street sharks energy of like 
all animals walk on two feet and they're punk and they also they kind of fight each other like right. like <laughs> the warriors sort of like kind of gangland but mixed with like all humans are gone so it's still earth so there's still buildings and and structure and that kind of stuff um yeah bipedal animal gangs game and then that's tied to this idea that i had over the winter that i i'm still trying to iterate on but i want them to be i want the game itself to be randomized i want the Mm. mechanics of the game and how it works to be randomized cool um and the only way i could figure out how to do randomized printing is with scratchers like scratch off lotto tickets so they'll there will be like form text in the static area of these cards and then randomized scratcher text underneath the scratch off area. So every card will effectively have its own core mechanic. I, I, I'm picturing the cards as classes and also kind of like s- story jump starts, um, like saying what you want or saying how to, like where you need to go or something like that. And then that way you could play. A whole game with just one card and everyone is the same kind of animal but if you had four or five you have a much more dynamic game but is i cannot ever know like every combination would be different um which is really exciting and scary but because almost inevitably i'll have one that doesn't work right like i'll have right some unforeseen grouping of random factors that just is a fart or, it, or like breaks the game in a different way. That's like a cool roguelike aspect that you can ha- just like preempt the game and and have a much better loadout than you would otherwise. And back when we were talking about games with currencies, when we made our alchemy witch potion stuff and then turned it into the art gallery uh, mm-hmm. tower defense. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic game. Uh, <laughs> that got me thinking of in in fiction currency. And in incompatible currencies, and that's what re- that's what got me started here. Of like, if the tiger wants ice cream cones, like, what does any other animal want, and how do you have this in unequal? Like, it can only really be story based exchange rate. Mm, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe the cows fight the tigers because they make the milk that the ice cream's made out of. And you have like a class thing. Uh, but but all that's just like inference by players there's no mechanics for what the exchange rate of cow milk to ice cream is right so then really cool populating a list of infinity factors into that so you like there's no inherent pairing because obviously the tiger with a uzi and the ice cream cones it's a cool illustration but on paper that's like a silly ass sentence right right just like exactly. those things don't go together um that's kind of part of it and then like in a a game like bastion land or troika or something like that where it's like okay i'm starting the game and i've got uh looks like my, in my pockets there's three molars and um a ballpoint <laughs> pen and a bullet with my dad's name engraved on it and so Let's like figure this out you then as player are like you craft some rationale that those items go together and then you go and that's really fun and that's part of the fun of playing is making yeah. sense of these things that seem like bullshit but then if the game actually says here's you know uh 8000 combinations of three items you could have um make sense of that like every single time you use look at this card it's going to be different and the yeah. the group that you play with is going to be different. And I really like the potential that there might be some sort of afterlife for the game where people can, like, I scratched this off and I uploaded a scan of it. So, like, who wants to play wants in, to in my tooth yeah. game or, or whatever? Or play in this one. Yeah. That's exciting oh, that's, to me. That's really cool. I That, like kind of just opens up a lot of possibilities inside of that framework. Right. I think, and I, that was one I've been keeping secret too, but more out of selfishness for, 
I love coming up with these print formats and then being like, well, I can't tell anyone because someone's going to print it before me just by the virtue of how many projects I have going on. Yeah. And I want to be the first. So like when I did the newspaper poster last year, I, I printed it, released Hell Cabin, and then I told everybody, here's where I go to get my prints. Like, <laughs> and you can find it on your own. I, I found it on my own, but like sometimes you don't think about it or a lot of the time in games, it's like, well, I'm going to make a half letter book or a half letter zine or whatever. And that's great. Um, I like that there is a sort of accepted standardized format because my shelves like it. But I like when there's something fucked up or like a something that I just wouldn't have thought of that's novel. Like I liked when I made a game that's on a face mask, even though it's kind of silly and it's not necessarily a functional game. Um, the format preceded the design. Right, exactly. Yeah. And it's a larger statement than that. Then this is just a game you can play. I think that that's like something that we bring and designers who take a lot from non RPG sources to design things like that is absolutely key is just having a running list of every format that you want to work in. That is interesting. And tying a format to a particular game or making a game out of that format. Yeah, that that's super exciting to me um, as someone who just like enjoys, I guess, just formats, really. Right. And I think I like it's a bunch left, of different shit. Yeah, it, I like the novelty and it's left over from being a '90s kid and having like holographic comic covers, and then turning into like the music kid and collecting record variants and shit and like right, yeah. Or you know what was the first band that you saw do a nine-inch record instead of a seven or a ten, and and stuff like that is just like fun. Um, and it might not always be practical, but, uh, I think it scratches a lot of itches of doing some, making something collectible because it's unique in a grand scheme making something stand out in a field that's crowded, which is kind of like a fun marketing thing. Like the hollow foil covers aren't, aren't cool and they're not well like revered by comics history either. But when you're a kid and you see that it's cool, it is cool. It, it rocks shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, any, and, anything that questions, like, even just your comfortable understanding of what something is, right? And when we see it from the interior aspect, that's getting a huge blast in the ass these last couple of years, which is great. Um, like, we're like, RBG layout design is actually getting good, which is cool. Um, and I don't just mean busy. Um, but yeah, books have been around for so long and there's so many different formats. Uh, so you'll never run out. Let's real quick just make a list, like a bullet list of oh, yeah, cool okay. formats. Hey, did anybody do our bounties? I did not. Um, I have not been made aware. <laughs> I have not been made aware, but I also haven't gone back and like written down what they were. <laughs> so someone could just present us a zine. And be like, well, I did it. You owe me forty five dollars. I like that now. we did it like a week before Kickstarter ZineQuest launched. So the idea no, that someone no could, would do it. yeah, someone could whole cloth design something to suit was not plausible. Bounty's still open, but yeah, formats that we want to see uh, in games involved with. I want to see. I really like an accordion fold book. Oh, yeah. Especially with the potential of just, like, folding out something super, super wide or super, super tall once the accordion is all stretched out, you know? Um, yeah. That sounds, like, fun. I'm looking at my Me, game shelf. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, games in French-folded uh, booklets where you can rip open the French fold. That's, like, if you don't know what a French fold is, Google it. I will not be able to explain very easily with my words. Yeah, we talked about that in in the Zine Destruction episode. Yeah, um, I guess I already I made it then. We had already started thinking about using it too, and just never gone back. Let's go, someone go take that. Gripsters and Ripsters is the name of the episode. I can't believe I remember that. Um, I really like. I have a bunch of these um, wallet games from Button Chai, who's like a strategy game company. Um, that would be fun. They're usually they're they're usually just eighteen playing cards in in like this little wallet. Um, so the idea being like it's very uh, transportable, it's very minimal, but like 
you're maximizing the information or the utility of these cards to suit. And they did do one role-playing game when I was when I was a patron of theirs through Patreon. Um, I think it was just called Slasher, but it was like a like an an 80s slasher film, kind oh, of yeah. like a hidden role. But it was just 18 cards. Actually, I mean, I just like cards. Like, not don't tell me to use a deck of playing cards in your game, but like, um, what if your game just was seven cards, right? Like, not yeah. an actual book or anything like that. Um, I think that's a fun thing that's underutilized. Cool. Yeah, a low amount. So, like, the cards are not for randomization, but it's like a physical placement of those cards in the play space. Hold on. That's a cool game idea. Um, I want to see... Oh, so I got this, like, paper sample from uh, this printer I'm going to use for Torque, and it came in this, like, trifold pamphlet that had a bunch of business cards tucked inside like I was looking at so many fancy cigarettes or little guns from an <laughs> arms dealer. And uh, I really thought it was cool. I mean, this is a format that I had never seen before, and it was just, like, some cool cut-up folded cardboard with bunches of little cards in there. That makes yeah, that's cool. I like the idea of maybe like it's like the cartoon trope of the guy in the trench coat who's selling like stolen watches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like you reveal this covering and then there's a collection inside. Um cuz I also have that paper sample. It is good. it is like a novel it's collection. It's weird. Yeah, I looked at those like I'm I would like to use this for something, but I do not know what. Uh I mean, those are some good heavy hitters. Um I really just wanted to say some. I want accordion fold books. <laughs> um, uh, more games on clothes. I I think that's something that's great. Yeah, or I would I would just extrapolate that to just like functional game, uh, texts like game texts that exist in a thing that can be used for something that's maybe not the game or is entirely the game. So, in, in that same vein of like maybe printing on or inside of a box and then like yeah. the box is used as part of the game or something oh, like that's that cool yeah just bringing more like dickensian bobble energy to games baubles <laughs> we love baubles <laughs> and i guess finally for me i'd like to see a game that's delivered as maybe a pdf or a mobi file <laughs> um yeah i want to be able to download a role-playing game my shelves are kind of running out of space so i'm wondering if there's like a rich text format or even just a plain text that i could read the game rules and that would be satisfactory if i could read the game in some kind of kindle friendly format to read on my kindle um but i just have a computer that is completely empty and i would like to store some of my role-playing games digitally in a digital medium format good shit Good shit. What else do you want to talk about? Break. We just went like half an hour, and there's also like a band saw going on outside or something. So <laughs> yeah, what is that? Uh, we're recording on a Monday, and they've been doing construction on my building uh, six days a week, nine hours mm. a day for at <laughs> least the last song. month. Damn. It's Sunday, never going to Sunday's get the built. only day they don't, and that's the day we usually record. <laughs> it's so loud. God just damn. It I, can solo. Hear- I wonder if my noise gate's going to catch it, because otherwise it's going to be a really silly... Uh, like let's 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 just hear from this off for a second. Oh, now they stopped. Of course, of course they say a little stage fright. Yeah, time will tell if this is audible. I just wonder what they're sawing for so long. Like, are they trying to saw <laughs> just a whole tree down the just what? Why is the movie called Saw? Why isn't it called Traps? Um, I think that they're, they're really uh preoccupied with one particular trap the <laughs> singular the name self-titled you know what's strange too i mean there's there's a lot there of strange a lot of strange things about the movie saw uh i just searched for a jigsaw the 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 the, 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 the saw in saw is not a jigsaw it's a van saw right it's, it, a, ta- it's, it's a table saw oh no it's just a manual hands saw that then they're supposed to 
saw off their limb to get out of the chains. But mm. a jigsaw is a power tool, and jigsaw is the name of the the clown man. The little toy man. Okay, so wait, why... wait, 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 wait. So is jigsaw the <laughs> the clown toy, or is it the old man who operates the clown toy? <laughs> Which one is jigsaw? Ship well, of, so actually, <laughs> jigsaw's ship of Theseus. Adam, actually, Jigsaw is the name of the doctor. The monster is called Jigsaw's <laughs> toy. <laughs> Jigsaw's. Um, it's... So why is his name Jigsaw and not Traps? What if he done Jigsawed his limb to get out of a trap someone else set for him? And that's why he's like, now I've got this thing for Traps. He's like, now I'm never forgetting this. This is movies about me. It's not about you. It's not trap basement. If Jigsaw sawed off his own limb, but then got uh, like someone else's limb put on, at what point is he still Jigsaw? At what point is he no longer Jigsaw? Mm. Yeah, it's like Frankenstein wasn't Frankenstein until he was a collection of criminal bones and <laughs> now shit. Now that is Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice when the episode title presents itself. <laughs> Now that's what I call Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> Jesus. You want to take another break? I, I had some. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine is in the Star Wars game, and I had to look up to see if she was in the Star Wars game that you're playing, but she's in, she's not. She's in Battlefront 2. Oh. Um, the Rogue? No, it's not Rogue. What the fuck? The one I'm playing right now is on Game Pass, I believe, and it's pretty good. If oh, nice. Game to play. I'm very interested now that I figured out how to make Game Pass work, that I have access to all this shit. It's cool. feels real cool to swing a lightsaber, and it made me want to make a role-playing game where you're a bunch of... Uh, like evil Jedi doing shit together, and the only way you can attack is you attack as a group doing a big circus soleil kind of trick. Um, that sounds really cool. It also sounds like I can make uh, preparing the ghost part two. You're the squid now. Um, oh, great. Because Humboldt squid hunt in packs, and I'm very afraid of squid. And that uh, seems like that pack hunting mentality would extrapolate to hacks really well. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I will send you the stuff when I make it, but I, yeah, I already wrote a bunch of it, and it seems really cool. It seems stupid good. It's like looking at the back of this guy's jacket in the game, and it had this cool design on it, like this like kind of just blocky, throwaway Star Wars design. And I was like, I'm just going to steal this uh, whole thing and then put text over it, and that will be the logo type for it. <laughs> Great, done. Uh, so what... Um, What's up? What are we going to do? I mean, it's it's hard to uh, talk about games that aren't Zine Quest, you know? Like, uh, and I feel like neither of us want to make, make a game right now. <laughs> games are kind of hard right now. Maybe I'll live check my own um, page. Yeah, this will be a fun, you know, when you're editing this and when people listen... Here's like a little timestamp. We're we're creating an audio time capsule. So at the time of recording, I have one billion zillion dig backers, and they're each going in for the deluxe. <laughs> they're so each going for the deluxe level. You're now the wealthiest person in the United oh in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, the campaign is based in uh, Camp John, Maryland. Yeah, I I made my fortune on zines, and um, I'd just like to thank Kickstarter for making that possible. Oh, boy. The, the per unit cost is so high, and the per unit sales is so low, is that I had to sell uh, one quadrillion copies to make money. You're, you're printing in color, too, so that uh, it's no joke. No, it's not. Not a joke. Um... Whatever. This is a dangerous line because I'll just kind of get mad about zines. 
Yeah, we, we have to keep our uh, ire targeted at, at the green one. Yeah, and not format stuff. Um, I swear they're going to saw through my closet wall. <laughs> they are getting closer. They're coming for me. This is a uh, this is a uh, prison break style <laughs> moment where they're going to be like, you need to come with this, and I got to crawl through the hole. They're going to mess up my game shelf real good. Um, Print a game on a bandsaw, <laughs> and then and then saw through someone's home from the back into their game shelf. Well, a using format. a saw is playing a game because everything gets HP once you turn the saw on. Like everything, <laughs> everything. around you starts to get hit points. Everyone like, has Thack Zero <laughs> as soon as the saw turns on. Like you know when you're in the kitchen and um you are cutting you're like dicing something up and then you get a little bit too close to cutting yourself and then you see all your hit points on your hands that you almost cut into my really bad situation is our new place has this tile flooring in the kitchen that for some reason shows like marks all the time but i'm very i i'm very wary to not wear shoes in the kitchen so i have to decide am i going to protect my feetsies or am I going to and and ruin the tile and have to clean it? Or am I going to go rogue and not have to clean the tile afterwards? And so this weekend, I had to make dinner mere minutes after my partner had just mopped the kitchen floor. And I go, okay, I'm going in no shoes. And then I could see my AC went to like minus five on my feet. Because <laughs> in the event that I drop a sharp object or the oil splashes or anything feet are going to to downtown and uh yeah fire oil knife gets advantage at that point i decided to cook just the most easy thing like i cooked uh this like i I, i'm doing this meal kit thing again and i just cooked ingredients that were pre uh sorted in plastic containers so i didn't have to get the can opener i didn't use a knife everything was as safe and lazy as possible and i am good at cooking and i like cooking Mm -hmm. um so I, but I did do the full on, just like, I'm in college, please help me kind of meal cook to protect my feet. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because when you do wear shoes and if you would drop a knife on your foot, that's going to be a little bit of a messier cut than it is if you were just naked feet. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know how much my shoes would protect me anyway. It's sort of a mental thing. Yeah, exactly. Like if you... I guess content warning now. I'm just going to talk about a knife hitting your toes. <laughs> but it would be a much, much, um, you know, later at, in the ER, they might appreciate that you didn't wear shoes. Um, but I kept it in this little container that is my shoe. <laughs> there you go. So it didn't get away. There you go. Um, I have never dropped a knife on my foot. I sometimes drop stuff and kind of brace the fall with my foot. You know what I'm talking uh, about? Yeah, I do that. And But now that you mention it, I've never dropped my knife ever. No. But Even what when if? I'm doing tricks. Yeah, exactly. Even when I'm doing a gambit with my knife. No, it's never like while I'm doing something weird, it's always like I'm cutting a bell pepper and the knife's not sharp enough. Mm, yeah, that's the true danger. It basically gets a Hot Wheels style booster mode on the edge of that bell pepper skin. <laughs> this is an episode, huh? This is a shit episode. I gotta be honest. I do think we were onto something with the format thing, uh, and then we took a break in our hubris to reset to nothing. <laughs> we to, went... re- to reset to just like caveman brains. We went deeper below nothing. I w- I was on um. Jeremy Gage's uh, Dryer Dice podcast in which I said good stuff for one and one half hours and I cannot make it 25 minutes on this podcast <laughs> without getting to the origin of Jigsaw. Yeah. Uh, I am excited. I wish um, one of my one of my big regrets of uh, being in a world that has COVID-19 um, is that Spiral, the book of Saw, was postponed <laughs> And I, because no. I was like, "Wow, I haven't cared about Saw in a long time, but this one might do it for me." Um, and then it, I, I, I don't know what the state of 
of Spiral, the Book of Saw, is well, anymore. So it's because um, Dr. Jigsaw is actually very high risk, so they couldn't shoot. Um, <laughs> he's, very, he's very high risk of getting COVID. Do you th- <laughs> um, I don't even know where to go. I want to make jokes, but I feel like they're all really bad. And I've only seen the first two Saw films, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, same. <laughs> Me too. So the, the I've seen a trailer for Hostel. <laughs> that's my experience. Uh, <laughs> just every time we can't think of something. Want to play a I game? The fucking, Holy shit! <laughs> I hear the band saw go. Jigsaw is a game ma- game designer. Okay, Jigsaw. Hi, Jigsaw. Welcome. So you've got a Zine Quest running. What is the time frame for that? Would you like to play a game? <laughs> that's the thing yeah. he says, right? Yeah, he says, would you mind playing a game with me? This game is for two to five players and plays within one and three hours. Everyone give me the Saw React if you would like to play. (laughs) I'm I'm having some difficulty scheduling due to time zones and life responsibilities, so leave the spiral, the Book of Saw emoji React to let me know you're interested and I'll circle back. I'll spiral back. This is just a full bullshit up. I, I like it. We haven't done one in a while. We were trying not too hard. Do you like Roll20 or Roll? I'm not decided. We're going to play this game on a Google Doc spreadsheet. Did you get my Google Jamboard invite? I prefer Theater of the Mind for combat. <laughs> the two of you are chained in the toilet room and you have one hour to escape. You must succeed on your three D20 death saves in order to saw off. I don't know if he ever says, like, hey, you have to saw your stuff off. If it's just implied, like, you're chained up and here's a saw, what do you do? Yeah, he always kind of coyly implies that you're going to have to, like, your characters are chained to the wall. In between the two of you is a dead body holding a handsaw. What do you do? You're in a tavern. You see, there's an old man in the corner with a bandsaw. Jigsaw writes GM advice. <laughs> just, is, just describe the situation and just, ask the players what they do. You don't tell them to use the saw to cut off their arm. They'll figure it out. And then you yes um, and that shit. Yeah, Jigsaw creates a battle map and moves the saw token onto the roll 20 board to direct players' attention to it. Jigsaw is a celebrity GM like Matt Mercer. I really, I really actually think there's a lot of fun potential in making a Saw RPG where the GM is Jigsaw and everyone else is doing these puzzles. Because I mean, that's what OSR dungeon crawl shit is anyway. Like, here's a trap. You can see it. There's no mechanical way that you're going to do it with dice. So, like, your player skill has to come up with some creative bullshit to get over this. like gap or canyon or whatever. And like that's what a jigsaw puzzle is. Yeah, and it's much it's much easier to rip off your arm in a game than it is in RL. Oh shit. Will Jigsaw makes puzzles because oh, j- jigsaw puzzles is like a <laughs> is a thing. Oh yeah. So you have the double the du- the wordplay of like here's a saw to cut off your stuff and also you're in a puzzle. I am jigsaw. I am both of these things. Do you want to do a puzzle with me? <laughs> that one didn't get out of testing. That one, <laughs> the focus group didn't uh, didn't uh, respond well to. Do you want to do a puzzle? I set it up in the living room. This is the most like stony our show has ever been. Yeah, and neither of fun. us are stoned. Monday night. I just got off of a fucking ten hour day of work that I ended the this episode started with me name searching, so that is where I am at mentally. Uh I am on the bed of syringes from Saw 2. Jigsaw name searches to make sure that people like his puzzles. It's the OG escape room. I mean, there there is an official Saw-themed escape room in Las Vegas, and I really have wanted to go. I saw that they were... I can't believe what the fuck that will involve. 
they were open during co- quarantine, and I'm really puzzled by that, but I think that's part of it. Oh you have God. to wear a mask. It's, like, a huge thing, like, multiple rooms and, like... I don't know if there's actors involved or what, but... Um, it, it actually costs more money to turn off the Saw escape room complex than to than to keep it running. Um, okay, so before we get too far away, I do think having a, G, a strong GM persona like Saw, kind of like how Paranoia has friend computer... Um, yeah. Just having a very, very strong identity that you hold as GM instead of kind of this amorphous game master, facilitator... Um, and not as trad as like you are G- you are dungeon master you are a complete god of humanity. No, this is really interesting because the other thing is, friend computer and jigsaw are antagonists. Right? Yeah, like they're inherently yes. the force that the players are going up against, which I think is really fun. Um, yeah, as long as you know everyone agrees and you're on board and that's understood at the front, because you are going to be fighting with your friend. Um, but you know, that aside, that understanding being understood, there's so much fun potential. And so this makes me think too, of like, uh, I did a game that I, I don't even hardly remember that was in return to sender, uh, my stretch goal compilation zine from the first zine quest two years ago. That's it. Is that the parasite symbiote game? No, I do think that game is actually great. This is yeah. the based on Disney's Hercules where you play uh, Pain and Panic. So you're oh. like the minions of the evil force while the hero is doing the hero's journey story arc. Mm. Um, in that game, though, I can't. I think it's not GM. I think there's no GM in mine, but it's been so long that I, I don't remember. But... The idea that like Hercules is the game master and he's just like, I'm doing whatever the fuck I want because I'm Hercules and you're the evil minions trying to sabotage him. That's also really fun. Like just having this opposing forces and one force is the group of most players and one force is the de facto game master. Um, Recontextualizing that is really exciting. It's a, it's a way to do uh, like rotating GM really easily. So you're not, you don't have the burden of like creating an engaging story. Your burden is to transmit this character's personality or this persona's like move set. So, uh, Viditia today, uh, Viditia Valetti was tweeting about uh, GMs rolling dice and like, do you like games where GMs roll dice? And just having the GM be a more specific and guided player role, like, I'm thinking about. Um, you know, why is it Dungeon Master when it should be Dragon Master? Yeah, I mean, because Dungeons and Dragons doesn't have any dragons in it, it's just dungeons. That's the but, real answer. But specifically, if, like, D- if D&D was focused on killing a single dragon, and that dragon could send everything in its power to go fuck up the players... Is awesome. Like that that is a much more compelling story. That's a different game. That's Dragons and Dungeons. And that game oh, shit. sounds awesome. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, I wonder if that's legally distinct enough that you could do it. <laughs> yeah, my game is called D D for short. Yeah. We're not using an ampersand, we're doing the plus. It's N. It's the letter N. D D. <laughs> we're doing um, Dungeon D and B. Yeah. Um But that's exciting too, because thinking of just like there are so many thing things like media, movies, whatever, with singular massive forces as the impetus. So I'm thinking of like Godzilla because Godzilla versus Kong is going to come out soon. Of just like if every player is a human and then there's someone who is Godzilla, like because you because the other thing that I think is important about this distinction is a power imbalance. Yeah, where the lone person has more than the collective power of the the collective, right? Um, Godzilla is more powerful than five people, and of course, one v one, you have no chance. But but if you spend yeah exactly clever, that, clever you... teamwork and journeying and shit or whatever, like you, the the real Godzilla is the friends we made along the way. Yeah, and you get Friday Night Lights up in there, and it's done. Um. Exactly. And even so, like, say you're doing a game where you're fighting a big, big monster like Godzilla every week. 
one week you've got the Godzilla playbook that you can do all the moves out of, but then the next week you're the we switched GMs and now Adam is the King Kong playbook, and then it's back to me and I'm the Mothra playbook. The session after that, and you're kind of doing the same thing, but the themes and flavors and elements pulled out of these monsters dictate like the tone and and events of the game. Uh, I almost don't even want to light this fuse, but um, because we designed our like legendary quest Pokemon game as GMless and like kind of town focused. Yeah. But you could easily like the legendary as the game master who has sentience and isn't automated, like is mm. a different style of play. And that works. Well oh, totally. Too. Because like inside of, yeah, this is kind of where my head was at when you initially said, it. I was like, wow, this sounds like a legendary journey thing. Um, a game that Adam and I have had a moratorium on talking about because we have we have too much yeah, other we're things about to, to go do. to podcast jail. Yeah. Um, anyone anyone that has the power to stop us stopped listening after I said, do you want to do a puzzle? <laughs> <laughs> or after the first band saw listening session that we had to, to, to get away from it. Uh, I'm thinking of like a Dracula too, like Dracula. Sure. Because vampires are obviously an interesting thing and ripe for role-playing stuff, but I think they don't often account for this power differential, and except for, like, Curse of Strahd, which I think sucks, and also, like... It goes too far in the opposite direction. Like, you can play for six months and not get to Strahd's castle. That, and, like you said, uh, about, like, Lovecraft stuff when we were talking the other day, of, like, having Strahd have stats is kind of antithetical to this extreme power like right or the way that it is integrated because because you offer it this mechanical representation you have then presented the this like really boring and not considerate way of dealing with your problem which is D turn-based combat forever Right, exactly. Like something like the Dracula game, instead of like hit points like the players have, Dracula would have a similar stat array, but it would be in things like my army of rats, my brides, uh, my control over Transylvania. My like, wives. My wives. <laughs> my, there we go. My... Like, thanks for turning into the Brain Trust podcast. <laughs> we did a Borat um, joke and a Saw joke within like 10 minutes of one another. What decade are we recording in again? <laughs> um, but just quickly, like, you have all these player stats, so you're still playing the same game against each other. Like, a player would have, like, health and speed and, like, mental energy or something like that, which I am running low on. Um, <laughs> but Dracula would have the same array but different categories. So, like, that last one would be my land holdings in Britain or something like that. And so players know that they have to chip down those stats to face Dracula. Um, so they go do the Britain stuff. They go... F- fuck with the wives i'm fucking with the wives tonight um and the rats um and so then you get on the same playing field as dracula and then can like verse each other in a final thing so you're having all these proxy combats that are actually just role-playing scenes and like tactical challenges that are really just like i'm hanging out with mina and we're kicking it in london um but yeah uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great potential. There's obviously a lot of like massive powers that that game master position could could do, like different themes and st- stories and stuff. Um, and I think, yeah, key- keying in on the power differential there, and just like having it based in similar but distinct enough mechanics that playing that role. This is a thing I was thinking about because of Vidatia's Twitter thread today too. Of like, the game master is a player. And I think a lot of games and tools kind of remove that aspect from that role that you are yeah. a player, right? Like, yeah, because so much, so many games are like game master doesn't roll dice. Here are your game master principles. You're everybody's friend and you want to have a good time and you want to yes. And all the shit. And like, that is true. That's good for collaborative storytelling. I think that's great for story games. I think yeah. when you get into tactical games, you become the one person at the table who's not who is not necessarily having fun or is like having some weird other kind of fun where the fun that you have is just doing algebra or something. Yeah, it's it's more logistical than the freeform improv, of, which can be fun 
And like, especially the people, like when you're the kind of game master who loves to prep and loves to like draw maps and all that stuff, like that, that can be your fun. I'm not yucking your yum. I think if games were more considerate of the concept of the game master, just being another player who follows different rules, you would have really fun opportunities like this, where the game master is a role in and of itself and it yeah. follows this different protocol, but it, you're still getting to play. Um, there is a lot of having to balance the GM as the adversary of the player characters and the GM being a friend of everyone at the table and wanting to make the best thing for everyone, you know? But that's true of any game, of any, right. uh, especially in, in bad fantasy games where like you have your group of five adventurers and there's no reason for any of them to like one another and everyone is like... <laughs> stealing the spotlight and doing their fucking backstory thing um that energy is built into the concept of the dungeon master of you right. are othered and being a dungeon master is to internalize like decades of best practices for things that you can do can't do and should do like i feel like that is a whole thing that i had to learn while coming into games was like hey never start players as in jail or something like that or like there there are so many like small things like never take away con- player control from characters without a really good reason or like you can't just make rocks fall and everybody dies that kind of deal but having like a discrete set of rules that everyone is aware of not only makes you a stronger participator like equal participant to the players it also makes players exactly aware of the kind of control that you have and that they have. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of the implications out of what's happening and makes them explicit and cooks them into the way that the game works. And I think that kind of consideration as a designer and a writer makes for more successful play because that's the other weird thing, right? Like we're writing books and we can't control the way it's played, but yeah, um, this is, this is beyond setting GM principles because how many times have you seen that in a book and glossed over it? Because you, you're, you know, I, I've GM'd games before. Yeah. Um, this presenting it as rules, presenting it as mechanics, and the way that you operate being distinct from even just like requiring you as a reader to shed the dungeons baggage that you might have from games you played or or were the GM of in the past, right? Like a lot of games kind of take for granted the idea that you would have at least a degree of familiarity that you don't necessarily need your own rules, right? Like game master just is narrating and doing things um, and helping the other players play. And I feel bad because right now I'm saying this, like this is very much how the narrator role works in babes in the woods. Second edition it is, but it is kind of, expected in some way of these chat games that are not adversarial right exactly and um i don't know i think there might be a gut reaction for like this kind of game master i think that's even the wrong word like this type of uh epidiah ravishal calls it overplayer in swords without master and that's kind of like how i've been holding in my head like this overplayer has rules that they need to follow but having choices to make allows you to improvise in those choices instead of just infinite space under you that could give out at any moment when like the fidelity is wrong or something like that so it's the same way that in an osr game players player improv is the whole thing um it just really solidifies that for the gm that here are here's the framework and here's how you can move around inside of that yeah, I think that we accidentally, uh, in spite of ourselves, again, came up with some novel thing that is interesting in, in games. <laughs> well, that's a big uh, sweat wipe off my brow. Uh, where can people find you online? Don't smudge your spiral face paint. Huh? I smudged. If you want to find me, you'll have to cut off your own leg first. My Twitter handle, you can find it at kickstarter.com. Slash projects, slash williobst, slash torque, T-O-R-Q. Slash your arm so you can get out of this handcuff. (laughs) And you can stop 
listening to this bad impression. I don't even know what he sounds like. He I don't even know what I'm impressioning. Like he kind of sounds like that. Anyway, Just, yeah, go go check out Targets on Kickstarter. I, I've already funded, so like, um, so I don't even know. care. No, 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 no. I'm saying like there there are. <laughs> I I don't even care, and it's nothing to me anymore. What I'm, <laughs> No, I did uh, a there name are, search one hour ago. There, okay, please. I admitted to it, which is better than many of us. Um, so I know everyone name searches. Okay, okay, but there are tons of projects that uh can't exist without you helping them fund. Um, so go check out that Kickstarter like search by ZineQuest content thing that we've pinned in the Discord. I don't even know how to get to it. Kickstarter like doesn't make it clear what the projects are in this thing so they're um, doing a piss poor job i got like yeah creators are, are doing so great with their projects and also with picking up the massive slack that kickstarter ha- has created uh, on zine quest this year just just yeah bad. take take like an hour every couple days and just go surf kickstarter for like someone's beautiful pet project zine that like this is their first thing because they need your money and support way more than I do. So you should do that. Yeah. Uh, that said, too, as a reminder to ourselves and to listeners uh, that we want to crowdsource the ZineQuest recommendation segment next week. Of ha- uh, So, you know, record some audio of you talking about a project that excites you, that you're interested in, that you hope to see fund, um, any, any sort of just like positive shit that you have to say. Uh, try to keep it between 30 seconds and a minute i'd say mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um i don't, I don't know send, send us the files in discord if you're in the discord i imagine most of you are um if you're not uh email me at axv at worldchampgame.co um and i'll i'll compile them i'll, I'll pass them along i was gonna almost give the brain trust email out but we both admitted like a week ago that we don't check it <laughs> we don't check it um yeah that, that would be really cool and we'll link everything in the show notes of course and we will bring stuff next week um but yeah uh yeah people can find you at your personal email address that you just gave out um where it's, uh, babes in work. the wood <laughs> babes in the wood is work it's work uh it's almost over babes in the wood campaign is ending uh tinyurl.com slash babes ks uh, if you haven't yet had the opportunity to back it, the special edition bundles are are sold out now, but you can still get the hardcover book. Um, and I'm online at worldchamp.io. That slash KS stands for slash king shit. So please follow <laughs> Adam Pass. I'm Willie Ups. I'm online at will.com. Uh, the Kickstarter link is in the show notes. I'm at will underscore J O B S T. I am doing like involved with three or four zine quest projects so um this week is uh sam and jupiter's zine uh splat 2 which a bunch of essays by different um game writers i'll be writing about online spaces and stuff um that will be dropping today uh by the time this episode drops i am doing a game for lucian con's hibernation bundle uh which drops i believe later this week i will do a link for that of the divality also brain trust uh fave is in there um and uh the other thing's secret so never mind but um yeah okay thank you for listening uh do you want to i'll have the preview page by the time this episode comes out so i'm gonna say it but Lino, if you're listening and you still don't want to know, just plug plug your ears. Yeah. Ether Operations comes to Kickstarter February 22nd via Floating Chair Club and myself. It's just like a psychedelic trash realm hopping garball game where you're either made out of meat or spirit or brains or bones and you hop between those four realms to try to uh, prevent further imbalance between the four as they compose our reality. Uh, it started as like a new age spiritual game and turned into utter garbage <laughs> as if I took um, I took some some like weird holy text and I ran it through a, a Xerox machine until there was nothing legible left. And I really like that about that. I mean that as a positive thing. Um, it started as this sort of exploration of like what is reality and it turned into um, what if the Sphinx was made out of brains and you had to kill it? <laughs> And that sounds fucking cool to me.
Uh, that's fucking awesome. Uh, we will definitely talk about that more as we get closer. Um, but and if you're running a Kickstarter for Zine Quest and you're not part of the Brain Trust Discord, um, we it's it's mostly kind of a triage tent with a bunch of wounded <laughs> Kickstarters. So come and hang out. We I today was like I can't wait to say my name and where I physically am, kind of to ground myself. So anyway, yeah, okay. Thanks for listening. Brain Trust emoji spiral the book. Saw emoji. <laughs> <laughs>